Metallica, here they come, the kings of metal. Hey everyone, this is Tom Quee here from Alpha Metallica, and you're listening to Metal Up Your Podcast. Welcome to the Melody Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. This is episode 220, and Clint, my friend, we are about to embark on a new, a brand new journey. You want to tell them about it? Yeah, it's the dawning of a new episode series called Deep Cut Dives. Deep Cut Dives. And now what we're going to be doing in this series is we're going to be investigating the, it's like the forgotten children. The We almost called the series Invisible Kids, because they're yeah. almost like the forgotten kids of the Metallica canon. And as the title of this episode suggests, today we're going to be focusing on Trapped Under Ice. So we're just going to be doing deep dives into the deep cuts, which was another alternative title, by the way. That's right. There's a bunch of, we we flew around a few over text messaging last night. There's just, you know, one of the things we were talking about in our text last night that makes me just love this band so much, enduringly, after all these years, is we're like, man, these songs that they don't play anymore, or some never played, are so good. And it's like, well... That's the price you pay for being one of the best ever is because your good songs are so good that they're undeniable and they have to be played because, you know, we were making our list of some of the songs that might be featured in this series. And like, it's like the whole back half of the black album minus nothing else matters. Yeah. Or most of reload, most of reload. Of course, most of St. Anger, almost the entire back half of, of puppets. Yeah. Puppets. I mean, death magnetic. And when you've got, so Anyway, we thought that a way to make it fun too. I mean, our good friend over at Alpha Metallica has done, you know, individual songs on episodes, and my friends over at Single Podcast Theory they also do that. But this is going to be a little different because we're going to be getting the guitars out. We're going to be breaking down riffs. We're going to be talking deeply about the lyrics. We're going to be going into detail about when the songs have been played. And I thought that since we were recently here in Nashville, trapped under ice ourselves in a very <laughs> rare snowmageddon week. That's right. It'd be fun to do trapped under ice. And why not? Uh, you know, this town's not really set up in an infrastructure capacity to handle what happened here. So if you're you know, some of our listeners that are in, you know, Michigan, they might think it's funny that our entire town shut down for a whole week just because it snowed for a couple of days. I know, right? <laughs> but we just don't have any way to deal with it when it happens. No, it's not. It's it's not a city that consistently gets snow like Michigan or Wisconsin or whatever or Canada. Um, and I, I would say it used to snow more here, but it wasn't like what we experienced last week where we had two or three inches of ice and then we had another two or three inches of snow on top of that. Uh, we we really were trapped under ice. I mean, dare I dare I say. Well, I'm looking forward to diving in. I know you got your guitar ready to rock over there. And oh, I got my axe, man. It's going to be fun, dude. And then and then even looking at the list of songs to explore. I mean, you know, Ronnie and Escape and Leper Messiah, God That Failed. It's just, 
attitude. It's it's going to run the whole gamut. I, I'm looking forward yeah. to Metal Militia. I, there's, a, there's a ton. I mean, you sent o- over basically a, a bit of a master list of everything we could cover, and it's insane how many songs there are. And to jump off your point earlier, Metallica is that good of a band with that good of songs that even other good songs, just they just have to sit on the yeah. shelf and collect dust. I can't wait till Lunar Satan has that problem. I know, right? Which will probably be in, I don't know, six months. Be in six months, but also someone's going to start a Lunar Satan podcast and do yeah. d- deep cut dives into Lunar Satan tracks. Uh, Ethan's drum track on this part, I think, was pretty good because... Uh, Guess who's going to start that podcast? Me. Just me. Can I be your co-host? You're going to co-host it and me and you're going to be the only listeners. <laughs> and then every once in a while we'll have, I don't know, just throwing a name out there. Maybe Paul will be on board. Okay, yeah, he had something to do with that record. All right, look, let's get into the news and let's knock out some of the housekeeping. Very interesting stuff in the emails today. So we're going to be having a lot of Metallica talk because of some of the shit going on in there. Uh, First of all, very cool. This actually just came down the pipeline is Avi, our good friend who we've had on the show, famously uh, works with Metallica HQ, was in S&M too, is a very big part of what's cool about some of these rearrangements where his harmonies really shine. Uh, he, uh, he's become a friend of both of ours, but he's Mm -hmm. been in my songwriting group, Stefan, Stefan, sorry, I keep calling him Stefan. It's the it's the, it's the Dave Matthews fan in you. It is, it it is Stefan Lassard. If you're listening out there, baby, I love you. Can't wait for the new album. All right. Uh, he did a, so what article on Avi just sort of telling Avi's story in two parts. The second part just came out and in the second part, they mentioned metal up your podcast and they call us a fine podcast. Pardon me. Mm, uh, Have you listened to the fine podcast? That uh, is great. Yes. Yeah. It goes great with uh, Chianti, uh, Aged. Yes. Uh, great with some uh, uh, Grey Poupon. Yes. I once had a fine Merlot. Uh, I believe it was a, a 1943, yes. perhaps. And it was so fine. It was as fine as Metal Up Your Podcast. Uh, yes. Wait. Uh, I believe I'll have the duck uh, with the side of metal up your podcast yes anyway they called us a fine podcast that was a nice shout out to get so that was very cool everyone go check that out stefan's articles in those so what magazines and and uh, not only the magazines but just the periodical articles he puts out on yeah. metallica.com you got to check them out they're cool he's super smart and funny and thoughtful and and he's also been on the show dude our metallica footprint after all this time is formidable it's no joke it is no joke. I mean, I would call it fine. I would agree. I would agree it's fine. It is a fine podcast. By the way, nobody can see this, but I am putting my pinky to my mouth right now. You're doing the Dr. Evil. Yes. One, One million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next in the news, Metallica is going to be performing again on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Uh, if you're listening to this on the Monday that it drops, on Wednesday, they will be performing. I mean, they just performed for that Super Bowl thing. Right. I don't think I'll be staying up all night this time for it. Uh, <laughs> right. Well, it'll be at a, uh, the normal time because we're not, you know, it's not a specialty program with the Super Bowl happening. But any, uh, I mean, they already knocked out Sandman, of course. You, you I can't think, imagine they're going to do Sandman again. You think another Black Album track maybe or like Fuel or something? I feel like if I were their manager, right? And I'm not. <laughs> Spoiler alert, I'm not Metallica's You're manager. not Cliff Bernstein? If I was, though, I think I'd be pushing them to do something off the new album yeah i would think so too the newest album i'm my guess is if if it's not something off the black album then it's probably going to be moth in the flame i could see it being bells but they played bells for this blizzcoin thing we're going to talk about that in the email so they did another kind of like one song 
you know, broadcasts and they did bells, which is definitely on our, on the list of songs they might play if they're going to have one primetime kind of shot. So I don't know if they're going to do bells because they did it for that BlizzCon thing. I don't right. know if I'm saying that right. Forgive me, gamers out there. It's, it's actually, it's BlizzCon. I don't know if nothing else matters would make sense, like a big ballad. I don't know about yeah. that. Like, like if I was Cliff Bernstein or Peter Minch, I'd be saying, go out there and kick their ass with Moth. Yeah, totally. Or Or now that we're dead... You know, they did a when Hardware came out and they were doing the rounds. I think it was on Craig Ferguson. Believe me, don't write in. Um, I, they did like a truncated version of Now That We're Dead, I think, on Craig Ferguson on one of the shows. And yeah. It was really good for TV. Yeah. The chorus was great. It was really it like popped out of the TV. It sounded good. It's fresh. It's new. Right. I just feel like if I feel like if they play Wherever I May Roam or Sabbath True, you're going to get people who know those songs going, oh, yeah, cool. I remember that. They're cool. If you right. play something new, you're going to get some kids going, what's this cool hard rock shit? Yeah. Oh, that's Metallica. Oh, really? Then that's going to start connecting dots, you know? That or you're going to get, obviously you're going to have all the Metallica fans that are going to like it either way. But you might have mm-hmm. someone that maybe jumped off the Metallica train 10, 15 years ago that all of a sudden right. is like, oh, the last thing I heard was St. Anger or something. Or Load or Reload even. And then all of a sudden they, they're watching Colbert and then they're, they're ripping through Moth into Flame. It's like, whoa, I didn't realize yeah. that they put out such a kick-ass record a few years Dude, ago. Dude, someone just now, right before we started this episode on Twitter, I posted a video of me playing Trapped Under Ice, the bridge section, because those riffs, were, I didn't realize how cool those riffs were until I got them under my fingers. Oh, yeah. And someone responded, to, I'm telling you, man, the things people say on the internet uh, fucking amaze me. But someone wrote back and said, wouldn't it be great if Metallica wrote some new riffs? And I wrote back... You should check out this album called Hardwired to Self-Destruct. So wouldn't it be great if they wrote some new riffs in reference to Trapped Under Ice? My question would be, have you heard Master of Puppets or Injustice for All, their Black <laughs> Album, or Load, or Reload, or, you know what I mean? Like, Dude, maybe they're cryogenically trapped, in, like just like the song suggests, they're ooh. trapped under ice, and, and they've been in 1984 this whole time, a la Steven, uh, Sylvester Stallone and Demolition but Man. But somehow they have Twitter but that's the only thing they have. They're tweeting by, they're like, blink twice for an A. Blink, you know, <laughs> yeah. they're blinking Morse code through the fucking ice. Right. Blow a kiss for a space. Uh, well, is that Grey Poupon? No, you asked if the Metallica had any new riffs. Okay. Um, well, here's the deal. We'll have to wait and see what they do. Uh, I'm just glad that they are um, present and act, you know, we're kind of in an inactive time yeah. for everyone, but but for our boys, you know, coming off this big worldwide stuff, um, it's just nice to see him on TV and see him doing shit. Absolutely, man. I love it. And, you know, and listen, everyone knows that listens to this, that yeah, touring's not happening. Maybe it'll happen this year by the end of the year. I don't know. But I mean, for a band that big to not be able to tour, the, the fact that they have given us some really cool content is really cool. I mean, it's, it's super exciting to me. Um, you know, they're, they're making the best of the situation like the rest of us. And, and we're getting some good Metallica live stuff with no audience, of course. Now, another thing that's happened this week is <clears throat> I sort of surprised everyone with a Metal Tales episode with our good friend Andrew Belly, an Australian cat. Yeah, mate. Uh, we had him down to do the Indianapolis gig during the 2019 winter arena tour. And because he lives in Australia, he came over for the shows because his brother lives here. But then we couldn't, you and I were touring pretty heavily then, and uh, we couldn't get our schedules to align. And he sent us a, a touching email. Uh, where he basically was like, I was really excited about that, and I was really bummed that we couldn't make it work. So I was like, listen, dude, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make your fucking dreams come true. (laughs) And I snapped my fingers, much like Thanos with the Infinity Gauntlet. 
and I changed reality and I made it happen. So I got on the horn with him uh, to make it work. He stayed up till 1 a.m. his time. Wow. I had just dropped my daughter off at school at 7.50 a.m. And we had an awesome chat about, you know, his experiences at Metallica shows. So That's awesome. All that to say, the Metal Tales are still alive and well. They've been a little few and far between. But everyone who has signed up, we still have that master list. And we'll be we'll be trying to work through them as we can. I know that me dropping the episode, a lot of people were like, hey, 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 what's going on now here, see? Excuse me. So I want everyone to know that uh, it's, you know, they're coming. Don't worry about it. Have a good time. Always have fun. Listen, Clint, you're you're over there at HQ2 making dreams come true. And over here at HQ1, yes. I look on from afar and I think, man, what a damn hero. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes <laughs> you got to, you know, not all heroes wear capes, but they do wear pentagrams and leather jackets with buttons on them. I'm just telling you, Andrew, if you and Andrew knows this now and he can spread the good news is if you wait a couple of years, a hero comes along. And then a hero comes along with the strength to carry on and you cast your fears aside. And you know you can survive. So when you feel like hope is gone, look inside you and be strong. And you'll finally see the truth that a hero lies in you. It took me a long time to get to Australia. Yeah. Look, what can I say? Uh, so I'm excited about that because... You know, they are a lot of work. It's a lot of work, like even just getting schedules to align. Oh, yeah. Especially with our friends that aren't in the States. And it's a lot of work to like put together. But I find those conversations so rewarding and exciting because, A, I love talking to the people who love our show. I just love it. I love getting to know them and hear their story. Mm -hmm. B, I love the band Metallica. So I like hearing all this nutty shit about what they're getting into at shows. And it, I love looking at the right. set lists and all that. Um. I think those are the only two points I had. <laughs> I was like ramping up to that to a list, but that's it. And number three, read number two. And number three, see numbers one through two a couple of more times till it's all singed into the brain. So anyway, there are a lot of work, but I like doing them and I want to ramp them back up. All right. So, you know, I feel like I've been sort of coming up for air, you know, this sort of drowning feeling. Maybe you're familiar with it, Ethan, for the last, yes. I don't know, year. Maybe so. I mean, so, so. I kind of feel... <gasps> Oh my gosh, exactly. yes. So anyway, as things start to get better, I, I booked my appointment for my vaccine today. So nice. I'm very excited about that. Things are starting to feel a little more normal. We're, we're lurching towards normal. Lurching is the key word. Slowly. It's going to take some time. But hey, man, the light's at the end of the tunnel. Now, whether it's a freight train coming our way or whether we're really getting out of the... Uh, maybe we're clawing our way from being trapped under the ice. Maybe some impending creeping death. We'll see. Um. All right. Well, listen. Go support us on iTunes. Go support us where you support shit. There's ways to support and just go do it. Everyone's got it now. Every podcast you listen to, believe me, I know babies out there because I listen to podcasts. They all got their Patreons. They all want you to leave the review. They all got a cool t-shirt and a funny hat. That's I right. get it. But here's what you should do. Instead of letting that hit you in a wave of apathy, because everyone needs your support, I want you to think about it, and I want you to go support the shit that you love. Because 
It really helps the people who make the thing you love, and you will feel better about loving the thing that you love. And who doesn't love love? Now, whether that's us this time around, or or maybe that's some other shit you, you're loving right now more than us, and that's a-okay with me, because as long as you do it, that's all that matters. That's right. You know? Amen. A friend of the show, Linda, uh, was just saying that she had to hop off the Patreon train because she's started playing ukulele. And she joined this Patreon specific ukulele kind of like lesson thing. Oh, cool. So she's like learning to play ukulele. She's wanting to start her own um, Instagram channel to, to document her progress. That's great. She's doing some singing. I'm like, Linda, buddy, if you got to hop off to go pursue that, A-okay with me. Aloha, Linda. And and also, aloha. We'll, I'll see you at the fucking conga line. And da, l- da, 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 da. Da. And listen, when when Linda is at shredding point on the ukulele, guess what? Let's all go to fucking Hawaii. (laughs) When Metallica is reaching out to Linda so she can guest on the new Metallica album that they're currently making, a la the guy who played the hurdy-gurdy, guess what? You're going to be real glad that you you hopped off for a minute so you could take care of those Patreon lessons with the uke. Exactly. That's all I'm saying. All I'm saying is we're all better off when you're supporting the things that you love because they don't just spring out of thin air. Right. People people make this shit. And you all know that. Man, am I telling them something they don't know, Ethan? I'd be shocked if I was. But you know, every once in a while, it's just, you know, listen, something was weighing heavy on your heart and you just got it off. And I appreciate it. You're telling me, you're telling everybody. And uh it, it's it's it helps with a better path to having fun always. So I think you're on the right the right track, man. <laughs> You should just like all if you should do that with your goals. Like, are your goals aligning with the big idea that should always be above your head? Is am I having fun always? Right. Does this align with my goal to have fun always? And if it if you can't say that it does, you need to rethink it. Yeah, you need to reevaluate a lot of things. Yeah. Now, having said that, go support us on Patreon if you can. It's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash metal up your podcast. A lot of lovely people over there. And we got to get a Zoom hang happening soon. That's one of my favorite things that we do at the patrons. You get a whole bunch of stuff. You'll hear a commercial for it later. At the very least, we want to say thank you to our new patrons, Anton Bonner, Sand, Dennis, Sevilla, Mark Potter, and... Sasha Brinkman increased her pledge. And Roland Munoz. All right. I think Sasha Brinkman is a male. Oh, sorry. I was thinking of our other friend, Sasha. My, my apologies. That's true. We do have Sasha Middleman, who yeah. is a female. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and it's a beautiful name that can be used by both genders. That's right. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me start that over again. Sasha Brinkman increased their pledge. <laughs> and <laughs> no, I, Sasha, I apologize. <laughs> I, went into, I went into the old habit of, of the Sasha that we, we know and love from Colorado. So my apologies. But thank you for the support. Sasha was one of the ones, which by the way, Sasha Brinkman, thank you. And Roland, all of you beautiful people at the Patreon, we really do appreciate you guys. We joke about heroes, but you are the real heroes because you're doing the very thing I just talked about and you're making the world a better place, uh, a little support at a time for creative people, for creators. Um, Sasha Middleman was one of the few people who flew out to our last party. That's right. She was there. That was the first time I believe we met her in person, unless you maybe met her uh, at a, a show on tour. Yeah, she came. I played a. I played in Denver. I think it was Denver, and she came out, and it was like a big. Um, so country gigs are either like an arena, a theater, a a festival, a county mm-hmm. fair, or there's a subset of country gigs that are like big ass honky tonks. Okay. Yeah which is like a, it's the rock equivalent of like a big rock club, like like the 930 club. 
Yeah. But it's a honky tonk. There's a there's a fucking mechanical bowl. <laughs> there's a dance floor, but it feels like a club. Line dancing. There's yeah, there's all that shit and it's country music and yeah. we played those. So she came out to that gig. Damn, I can't think of that venue. It's a really famous venue in Denver. In Denver, it doesn't matter. But she had never been to a gig like that. So she was texting me before and she was like, do I need to like wear cowboy? Do I need to like dress up like a cowgirl or like, what are the rules? You, you know? told her yes, right? Yeah, I did. Okay, good. Good. Yeah. You um, need to get um, some, some chaps to throw over those jeans. Some assless. Well, it, Kevin Van Dam came to that show too. I was like, my friend Kevin's going to be wearing assless chaps. But other than that, you don't have to. Uh, no pressure. Which Kevin's another friend of the show too. I miss one of the things I miss about touring is being able to see metal of your podcast people out on the road. I know, man. It's it's really been since I was on that Need to Breathe tour that I saw anybody on the road. I, I didn't. Maybe a little bit here on a on the on Brandy tour or uh, shows, but um, who'd you see on that Need to Breathe tour? Did you see Sarah and Pete? Uh, so Sarah and Pete. Um, uh, I believe I saw Joey Ersnick. Man, that's already been. Two- I saw Joey. I saw Joey. I think he's in Kansas. I saw Joey also. That was already two years ago. I can't even I remember who I saw I on that tour. I know. It's insane. Well, look, we're on all the socials. You know what they are. I don't even want to say them. I'll vomit if I say them. But right. you know what they are. Go support us on them. The Discord now, um, which has become a big part of the, you know, inner life of the Metal Up Your Podcast family. The link to that is now in however you're getting this episode on your phone. If you scroll down into the notes of the episode, you will see a direct link to the Discord. All you do is click that link. You don't have to sign up for anything. You don't have to download an app. If you just hit that link, it'll take you there, and you'll know what to do. It's yeah. easy. Um, what do you say we take it to the email corner? I would love to. Let's go. Let's do it. All right, first email is from Cat Anchor Metallicat on the social. Cat. She says, Hey guys, thought I'd share my top 10 2000s with you. A few surprises for me. So here's her top 10, 10 to 1. Number 10, Unnamed Feeling. Whoa. Number 9, Am I Savage? Number 8, Moth in a Flame. Number 7, Dream No More. Number 6, Four Horsemen from the Helping Hands concert. Number 5, Unforgiven 3. Number 4, Halo from SM2. This is kind of surprising. Disposable Heroes at number 3, from also from the Helping Hands show. Mm hmm. That's up high on the list. Number two, I disappear. And then her number one is all within my hands from the Helping Hands show. That's from Helping Hands one. Excuse me. Um, wow, that's surprising. She says, so there you go. If, I, if you told me in 2003 that all within my hands would be my number one track of the 2000s, I think I would have told you to wash your mouth out with soap. <laughs> Keep up with the fantastic work, cat. Yeah, right. I mean, this is an interesting list. There's, <clears throat> there's uh, very little death magnetic. It's a lot of these shows with these sort of reimaginings and she kind of famously in the in the metallica fan community did a big deep dive revisit of saint anger the album right hoping that maybe some new revelation would happen or some new connection you know and it didn't happen she really did not like the album yeah yeah so it's interesting that unnamed feelings on here all them right it's cool i mean i mean there's not even there's not a black album track on there which is weird well, yeah, it's really weird that there's not a, a, a you know, a late 70s era Black Sabbath song on there. I know. That's really crazy. Or even mm-hmm. like, I mean, there's not an Yngwie Malmsteen song on here. You would think at least King Nothing from SNM 17 would be on there. I would think Mariah Carey's Hero would be on here. Uh, thank you, Kat. Always good to hear from our buddy Kat. All right. Our next email is from a new friend, Eloisa. Now, Eloisa wrote to me this morning via, she slid into the old DMs uh, of Instagram, and she basically said, 
hey, butthole, hey, did you get my emails? I've sent you a couple of emails. <laughs> she didn't say butthole. She was really sweet. She was just checking. She said butthole in Italian. Uh, no, she was real sweet about it. And I went and looked and like her emails ended up in our spam folder somehow. I kind of combined two of her emails because they're real sweet. And I feel bad because she was excited about these emails. So here you go, Elisa, is my apology to you. I've combined these two. She writes, hello, Ethan and Clint. This is Eloisa writing from Italy. Wanted to pop in, say hi, and thank you for the podcast because it's literally the only way for me to get opinions from other people about Metallica. They're not my friend's cup of tea, even though I am working on converting them. I found out about you in March or April while searching for the Playboy interview. Your episode came up in the results, and I've been a fan since that day. I thoroughly enjoyed listening to your point of view, comments, impersonations of Torben and Dave. They are hilarious. I love your content, and you seem like really nice guys. Until I didn't answer her email. Yeah, you're you're a hey butthead. Answer my email. <laughs> tell him to the reader. Tell him to the spam folder. Uh, I really look forward to your episodes when something in the Metallica world happens. Anyway, thanks for taking the time and reading my email. Hope you're doing well despite the damn pandemic. So that was her first one that she sent back in October. Here's a more recent one, however. Regarding my top tens of the 90s, she says it's difficult, but I'll try. So here's her quick list. Number 10, Wherever I May Roam. Number 9, Low Man's Lyric. Love that one. 8, Unforgiven 2. 7, Of Wolf and Man. 6, My Friend of Misery. 5, The Unforgiven. 4, Hero of the Day. 3, Until It Sleeps. 2, Bleeding Me. Number 1, Fixer. Wow, number 1, Fixer. Dude, Kurt Ozan wrote um, our friend that we interviewed a few episodes ago, my buddy that plays for Luke. He when I posted all the uh, everyone's list from the nineties, you know, shitload of fixers on the list, right? And, yeah. from, and a lot of the fixer, you know, fixers were up high. And he made a comment says something like, "Dude, all these people having fixer on their list that high is definitely because of you, Clint. Like, definitely because <laughs> of the podcast. There's a good chance, which I don't know if that's true, but if it is, that would make me very happy. I mean, there was an era of this podcast where you were gunning for that song just to be out in the open for everybody to hear and because you know, maybe it gets overlooked a little bit because it's the last track it's super long all that stuff but well here's um, the deal here's the deal when you find a forbidden door you find like the door in the basement right and you got to crack that that bitch open when that first little ray of sunlight hits whatever's behind that door it might not be good news that's true okay it, it might be the sleeping giant that needs to stay night night right or it might be some golden treasure that you didn't even know was down there that might change your life. You open the treasure chest to find Fixer. <laughs> she goes on to say, it'll probably change tomorrow, but right now it's this way, referring to her list, of course. She says, I've been obsessing over Load and Reload since I was gifted the CDs for Christmas. I liked the albums already, but now I keep coming back to them more and more. This morning I woke up and decided to visit the magical world of Twitter, and I saw a couple of tweets that stood out. Now, here's, this is going to get into some current news. Here. Right, right. So Metallica plays For Whom the Bell Tolls live online for the BlizzCon and the streaming organized by the official Twitch gaming channel mutes them for fear of copyright infringement from DMCA and puts over 8-bit songs. Obviously, the people on Twitter commented on it and basically laughed their asses off, most of them, because to them, it's Metallica's own fault if this happened thanks to what they did to Napster 20 years ago. She says, now what I wanted to ask you is what you think about it. Is it me... Or do some people still not understand at all what they were trying to do with Napster? Moreover, why would they mute live music played by the band itself? Metallica owned their catalog after all. So this is one of the things that happened in the news. Metallica played for that BlizzCon. Yeah. Which, why do they keep playing for these fucking things? That's my first thought. Is like, they're 
Dream Fest and BlizzCon. Yeah, and- I wonder if they if they were uh, maybe asked to do this pre-pandemic or something because a lot of times some of these things get booked out pretty far in advance. Well, um, apparently the last one they did was in, they did one live in, yeah, person, in person in 2014. I mean, you how, you know how corporate gigs go. They pay. They pay crazy. Yes, they do. And I know for the the tech one that they did recently, like Lars and Kirk are friends with the guy. Like I can see that. Like sure. If you and I were rubbing shoulders with those kinds of powerful people and we just so happen to be friends with people in these big corporations, they're like, hey, Clint, I love Lunar Satan. Can you and Ethan come play a song for us? We would do it because sure. that's how it works when you're friends with people. Right. Dude, that's what the whole Lady Gaga um moth in the flame thing was Lars was having dinner with lady gaga because in real life they're actually buddies they right. hang out and talk and shit for sure and i think he jokingly mentioned it because they were already booked to play and i think he was like why don't you come do it with us and she's like okay yeah sure you know it, that wasn't like should we have our managers figure it out they called their managers and said this is what we're going to do this is happening yeah exactly so okay okay i get that so anyway little tangent city there it is so interesting what, this this whole debacle where they started playing i don't think it was te- technically not 8-bit music it was like loungy kind of like elevator music it was like public it. domain it totally. was like music they're not going to get sued for it's like old gaming music like right plonkety and zelda i'm in a forest whatever the fuck looking here, for the triforce here's the weird thing that, yes the triforce <laughs> here's um <laughs> here's the thing that i read that i found interesting is that the people at blizzcon cleared with metallica like you know it's part of the legal legal process that they are able to broadcast for whom the bell tolls online metallica says yeah of course we're playing your thing so yeah we approve that of course but apparently the twitch that company didn't like clear anything so it's kind of a weird situation now i don't think it's definitely uh, attributed to what happened with napster 20 years ago no that was a whole different ball game and that's the confusion that Elo, uh, Eloisa is is talking about. And here's what I want to say. We can't really get into this, but I want to put a um, draw a line in the sand here. I reached out to, so there's a company that I kind of just became aware of. And uh, let me find this email. So there's a company called the Future of Music Coalition. And they're completely dedicated to like the edu- education and dissemination of education about musicians' rights you know, something we talk about a lot on the show is like royalties, mechanicals, right. artists getting paid, streaming. Now, this guy works for a company. Uh, I saw a Twitter thread about this, and it, it was about this exact issue with BlizzCon and Metallica being censored, and they played some blah, 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 and people tying it into Napster. So this guy wrote this whole thread, okay. or this company. I don't know. I didn't know who they were kind of debunking shit and it was really good information really clear so i reached out to them and said hey can someone does someone from your world i mean they have like a hundred thousand twitter followers they they're fairly influential i guess right i said hey would someone be willing to come on my metallica podcast to just clear away the fucking debris because there's just so much confusion yes there is absolutely and kevin the director of this place got back to me he's going to come on the show awesome so I'm, i'm trying to get that lined up for next week so we'll be talking about all the things that are important to Ethan and I and Paul, and it'll be framed through this BlizzCon Metallica thing presently, but then also the bigger context of Metallica and Napster. Yeah. Because no, it doesn't have anything to do with Metallica and Napster. And people, here's what people don't like to do, dude. People don't like to investigate. 
people don't like to know what's up. No, no, no. What's that headline say? That's the exactly. fact. Exactly. And they love a good, like, they just love a good little nugget of bullshit that sort of confirms what they already believe. Yeah. That's what human beings do. People already have chosen to believe that Lars is a jerk, that Metallica sued their fans, that Metallica are rich, greedy, out-of-touch rock stars who don't care about the little people. Right. Okay? And, you know, when they're playing BlizzCon and Target, the Target Center fucking depot i i get it that might be hard for some people to believe but if it's not the facts it's not the facts baby and yeah. if it doesn't flatter your you know decided upon ideas of the world you have to deal with that yeah exactly so i'm looking forward to talking to kevin and kind of unpacking all that with him i think our napster episode is killer you know our napster episode i think so too yeah really i think does a good job of making a clear case of what happened but not, not as many people as I would hope listen to our fucking podcast. So. Yeah, exactly. No, that'd be really fun to have Kevin on. I would love, I mean, I would just in general love to hear his his insights into the whole situation because, I mean, I, I knew my conclusion right off the bat. It's like, I saw it, I thought it was kind of funny, but yeah. at the same time, it's like every comment I was reading, I was just like, oh my God, you're so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll we'll try to unpack that real soon. I'm I'm, I'm shooting for next week. That'd be great. I'd it'll definitely it. happen sooner than later, depending on Kevin's schedule. Awesome. So, um, thank you. She writes Eloisa from Italy, New Jersey. So Eloisa, thank you so much for the support. Um, I love Italy. I've I've had the luck of being able to tour over there. It's a beautiful place. I love the food. I love the people. So I'm glad you're out there listening to Metal Your Podcast. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks, Eloisa. Next email is from Matt Horton. He says, "Hey guys, love the last three episodes with lists." Who doesn't love a good list, by the way, Clint? Everyone loves a good list, yeah. dude. Uh, he says, those are my favorite episodes of the podcast. I'm not sure this is something you guys have covered before, but here are my top 10 Metallica songs I have not heard live. That's kind of a great list. Number 10, My Friend of Misery. Number 9, The Outlaw Torn. Number 8, The Unforgiven 2. Number 7, Disposable Heroes. Number 6, Blackened. Number 5, Damage Incorporated. Number 4, Dyer's Eve. Number 3, The Unforgiven. Number 2, Harvester of Sorrow. And number 1, Spit Out the Bone. He says, hmm. keep up with the great work. Matt from Scotia, New York. Uh, that's a really good uh, a good topic for a top 10. Songs you have yeah, not we should, heard live. We should investigate that. Mine I've would be number 10, Spit Out these. the Bone. Number 9, Spit Out the Bone. Number 8, Spit Out the Bone. Number <laughs> I'm lucky I got to see it. it and it, and I, I hate to rub it in, but it was really fucking killer. Rub it in like almond butter, my friend. <laughs> At first it burns, but then the burning turns into pleasure. Just get it right in there. Trying to, that was some sort of weird version of Joyce. Thanks, Matt. Uh, Dan Stewart writes in. Now, this is another interesting email that will spawn some conversation that I think is pertinent to Trapped Under Ice because we're going to talk about Kirky Kirk for a minute. Love it. He says, Hey, dude. Yeah, dude. He gets a fucking fish tacos. <laughs> he says, I'm going to nerd out in music theory a little, which I apologize for in advance. He says, When I first jumped on board with Metallica 20 years ago, I remember being so enthralled with Kirk's lead work that I spent hours splicing together all of his solos into a single, never-ending, chronologically ordered blur. I wish I could find it to share with you all on Discord, or maybe it's a good thing for everyone's ears that it's lost in the sands of time. Sands of time. Making this hour-long solo cohesive was a challenge, particularly with tempo shifts and different tunings, but I remember discovering through that exercise that much of Kirk's work is in the key of E minor, or the downtuned equivalent in the late 90s era. That fortunately made my project a little easier. Recently, I heard Kirk say in an interview that his three favorite solos are Hero of the Day, Fade to Black, and One. Of those three, only the song One is in E minor. Correct. 
Also, when I think of some of Kirk's most standout solos, many are in other keys than E minor. Some examples are Unforgiven 1 and 2, which are in A minor, My Friend of Misery in A minor, Halo and Fires in D minor, various drop D tunes like Devil's Dance, Dream No More, and Sad, and the intros to Fade and Sanitarium, which are B minor. Others are in E minor, but jump to other keys midway through, like Ride the Lightning, The Day That Never Comes, or are based on unique scales like the Phrygian scale in Rome and All Nightmare Long. Of course, yeah, the Phrygian scale. Lydian, Phrygian, uh, Mixolydian, uh, and the others. Yes. Death to the pentatonic scale, <laughs> the Phrygian. Is it major or minor pentatonic, please? Uh, one must know as he buys his time. Yeah, diminished pentatonic. Mm, the three suns set over the hill as I bide my time, yes. Okay. <laughs> All this got me thinking about Kirk and how he's often accused of overusing crutches in his leads, particularly in his later work. He says, now I'm no lead guitar expert, but I imagine it would be a challenge for any guitarist to write fresh melodies in the same key and scale for 40 years. No doubt. No doubt that's true. Yeah. He says, you're simply confined to certain notes and certain positions on the fretboard, regardless of your proficiency. Do you think Kirk doesn't get enough credit for working within these limitations? But So I'll put that to you, my friend. What do you think? Um, I mean, maybe yes and no. I mean, here's the thing, like a, a lot of players like myself, I don't know a lot of scales. I'm going to be full disclosure here, right? Um, I kind of hover around the blues scale and then, you know, convert to B minor or whatever. Um, and maybe I play a pen pentatonic scale. I don't know. I'm not a big theory guy, but I don't know. I, I can't imagine it's necessarily a challenge for Kirk. I don't think the key matters because if let's say you're hovering around hovering around one scale for a lot of your lead stuff, which Kirk does, the key doesn't really matter because the, the scale is the same no matter where you're playing on the fretboard. Um, mm -hmm. I think if there's ever going to be any kind of struggle or um, any kind of challenge over a 40-year career, it's just coming up with just new and creative things and not repeating yourself too much. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean... And, and by the way, I also hate that people, you know, always talk about, you know, overusing his crutches and his leads. Yeah, there's a couple little bag of tricks things he pulls out from time to time. We've talked about like the, you know, thing he does all the way down the, all the way down the fretboard and mm -hmm. heading solos. But, but that's the thing that's kind of, that's kind of Kirk's deal, man. That's kind of one of his little tricks that he does. And, and I like it. And, um, well, and even Eddie Van Halen had that. I mean, everyone's got a little bag of tricks. Yeah. And yeah, they work in different keys and different keys have different. I mean, uh, do this, does he get enough credit? I think he does. I think he's a unique. He's unique because he does and doesn't. Right. So you got some. You got an asshole like Dave Mustaine who kind of puts him down. Right. Yes. Yeah. Which I've never heard a Dave Mustaine solo that made me like him anymore. Like right. he's got some really great breakout thrashy stuff. He's obviously a talented guitar player, but he's just not enough to talk shit. Right, I've never right. heard Kirk Hammett talk shit about anybody. In fact, all I've seen Kirk do is talk about how he wants to be better and how he yeah. works his ass off and how he wants to learn different styles of music. All yeah. of those things are what make him a better guitar player, in my opinion, Agreed. and a better fit for a better band. Yes, um, I agree. I do think he's underrated. He's underrated in terms of he doesn't get a lot of love for how experimental and cool the Load Reload era is in terms of guitar playing. Right. I think it was really cool that he singled out the song Hero of the Day, which, you know, isn't going to win any shred awards, 
Um, and I believe that song's in the key of A and it's major. Yeah. Um, I think that what we're hearing on Hardwired is like not putting in much of the time, mm-hmm. kind of just wailing and letting Lars and Greg maybe comp a solo. Right. But I've also done that, you know, like Same. I've done solos where we didn't have a lot of time and they just, they kind of knew they needed certain avenues of flavor and I just kind of gave them a bunch of options and then they put it together yeah. and that's a solo. Uh, Absolutely, man. I've done, I've done that as well. Uh, yeah. Dozens of times. A lot of people do that. Yeah. You know, um, not everyone can do what I did on your album, which is just sit down and play a solo for the first time after hearing the song one time. And that's the take. I mean, no big deal. But even you though did, it's like a two note solo. That's one of my favorite parts of my record, man. It's just, it's that, it's, you know, listen, you came down to the smokestack. You brought your bag of tricks. I don't know what you we were going to pull out. You reached mm-hmm. in that bag like Mary Poppins. And you mm-hmm. pulled something out, and in one take, I was happy, and I'm still happy with it. Well, I appreciate that. It's I, I love your album so much. In fact, so, someone mentions your album a little later. Listen, as they as they say in the world, a spoonful of Clint helps the medicine go down. So that's what that's what I got on my record. I think I think Kirk is the great is a, the perfect guitar player for Metallica. We've said that a lot, mm-hmm. and that's kind of come up a lot, but. Not only, I think his solos are killer, man. I think we're going to start experiencing that too when we do these deep dives into these deep cuts. And let alone, you got the Unforgiven, you've got Fade to Blood. Like he's, he's fucking carved his space out, man. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Creeping Death, I'm thinking of Master of Puppets. I know, there's uh, incredible all of stuff. Them. Sanitarium, Ride there's the so Lightning. Good. I mean, so many good. And even even recently too. I mean, I think the Dream No More solo is great. I love the solo in Moth. The solo in Atlas is good. I love almost all the solos on Death Magnetic, particularly The Unforgiven 3 and My Apocalypse. Right. So, I again, I think if you're slagging Kirk, you better make a really good fucking point. Because, again, I think people have ideas. People just have their ideas, dude. Yeah. And people do not care if their ideas correlate with reality. They you, just like their little ideas. Do you know who I think doesn't really give a shit about any of these people's opinions? Kirk, Kirk Hammett. Kirk Hammett. Well, I, you know what? I sincerely hope he doesn't. He's on a surfboard with a belly full of fish tacos. It's like, shaka, I don't care. I do, <laughs> I do my thing. I'm cool to everybody. I like to practice. I like to try to get better. And I like fish tacos. So I'm going to chill here in Hawaii while you guys complain on the internet about whatever you're complaining about. Dan ends by saying, thanks as always for the time and effort you pour into the podcast. Dan, P.S. Clint, I love your lead work on Lunar Satan. And no, I haven't evaluated their keys yet. Yet. Dude, I don't know how to play a lot of this shit. I've had to tell people. I guess it's a kind of a counterintuitive thing to tell people is that when I wrote those songs, I wrote them and recorded them. Boom. Done. Yeah. I don't know how to play them. I mean, I would have to learn them. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess uh, a lot of people would have to understand, too, the big difference is Lunar Satan isn't this band that's been hacking it out for two years in a garage and everyone's got everything like embedded in their brain what they're playing. This is you writing these songs by yourself. Mm-hmm. you know having people like me and a few other pe- other people like you know lend their instruments and their talents to it but i mean you're writing this stuff and moving on to the next one yeah you know you you, you haven't been putting these things you know getting them under your belt for the last year and a half it's like literally one day you have this riff the next day the song's done then you move on yeah so well maybe dan can learn them for me and teach them to me perfect <laughs> would be fine with me clint uh, the, the key of pig fuck is actually exactly. c sharp minor diminished seventh um, all right, we got a couple more emails here. All right, next email is from Adil Ahmed. Uh, the, uh, so Emil is is uh, thrown at us all three of their top tens, eighties, nineties, and two thousands. Okay, let's do okay. it. Uh, they said uh, that these are a lot harder than expected. So nineteen eighties, 
Number 10, Ride the Lightning. Number 9, One. Number 8, Eye of the Beholder. Number 7, Fight Fire with Fire. Number 6, The Prince. Number 5, Fade to Black. Number 4, Shortest Straw. Number 3, Orion. Number 2, Fradings of Sanity. Number 1, Disposable Heroes. Solid list. Cool. Disposable Heroes at number 1. Love it. 1990s, Die, 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 My Darling. Number 9, Memory Remains. Number 8, Astronomy. Number 7, 8, My Bitch. Number 6, The Outlaw Torn. Number 5, Merciful Fate Medley. That's cool. Number 4, No Leaf Clover. Number 3, Fixer. There's Ken. Number two, The Unforgiven. Number one, Bleeding Me. That's awesome. Cool. All right, and lastly, the 2000s. Number 10, The Unnamed Flea. Number nine, Hate Train. Number eight, Halo and Fire. Number seven, Confusion. Number six, The Judas Kiss. Number five, The End of the Line. Number four, The Unforgiven Three. Number three, Remember Tomorrow. That's cool. Uh, Number two, I Disappear. Number one, All Within My Hands, the S&M 2 version. I think the most common number one of the 2000s was the new version of All Within My Hands. How cool is that? Super cool. I love it. I also love that he, they had uh, on their 2000s list the Iron Maiden cover. The Iron Maiden cover, Remember Tomorrow. That's awesome. And also Hate Train, which was on your list. Yep, that's right. And Unnamed Feeling at Tim, which is, you know, our first email was Cat had that. So that's all very cool. Yeah. Surprised the Unnamed Feeling didn't make my list. I would put that in the uh, honorable mentions category. Yeah, for sure. All right, our last email, and this is going to spark some songwriting conversation love that it. you and I need to get in on, Okay. Joey Swords. Joey Swords. <laughs> it says, congrats to Clint on finally putting out Vampire and Lunar Satan after years of songwriting for others. And Ethan, I'm a big fan of Let It Burn and your previous EPs as well. You. you boys got the goods. He says, so about those goods, I'm listening to Vampire right now. Big chef's kiss, by the way, he says. And it's reminding me of a question I've had for years. When you're someone who writes songs for other artists for a living, how do you decide which songs you should use for your own project when the time comes? Is it as simple as using leftover songs that just didn't get picked up by another artist for whatever reason? I would imagine there's a struggle when you feel really good about a song. Do you use the song to show the world what you've got as a solo artist? Do you try to get it to another artist that already has a larger established platform so more people will hear it, better payout, etc.? Maybe some songs are hard to let go. I'm not sure if Ethan has done much songwriting for other folks, but would love to hear both of your thoughts. Keep killing it. Joey Swords. Columbus, Ohio, New Jersey. Well, obviously, this is uh, much more in your wheelhouse of expertise. I've done very minimal songwriting for other people, but it's it's been a while. I, I'm I'm a very slow songwriter, especially lyrically. Um, uh, so for me, if I'm going to spend the time to, to write songs, I'm just going to write them for myself or for whatever project I'm involved in. But Clint can definitely shed a lot of light on this. Well, I would I, before I do my thing, I would be curious for you. So, like, you write a reggae thing over here, yeah. then you write kind of a stoner rock thing over here. You've written songs that have been in Demon Hunter, you know, like metal stuff, right? And then you've kind of got your like punk rock stuff too. So, for you, I would guess what I'm curious is, and when you do sit down to write, how do you know what it's going to be for? Like, do you already decide I'm going to write a song for this project today? What if something starts happening that's not doesn't fit that? Do you roll with it or do you just sort of pause? Um, How do you do that? For me, it's uh, you know honestly that that is a big struggle for me in in in, uh, in moving forward with finishing songs is that I get very indecisive because literally the other day I started writing this like kind of chill, just acoustic driven you know maybe have have a little train beat behind it or something, and I had a couple lines and some melodies. I'm like that's pretty cool, you know. And then I had that in my mind of like, man, I would love to make a record like this, kind of laid back and whatever. And then by the end of the day, you're texting me like, hey, you should work on another one of those heavy songs so we can co-write another song for that stoner rock thing. Mm -hmm. And by that night, my mind is all of a sudden on that. Like I get, 
I get so focused on one thing and then all of a sudden I get reminded of another thing I'm into or it's like a surf rock thing. And then all of a sudden I like, I pause that and go over there where I feel like I do that so much. I think I'm at a point in my writing life that I need to just stop and put everything on pause, but one thing and just move forward with that, finish it and then go to the next thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. It's like very deliberate way of writing. Right, right. And and I'm so used to jumping across the map. You know, I'll yeah. do this, I'll do that, I'll do that. Where I need to just, I need to stay in California for a little bit and write something like, you know, there. Yeah, I forgot you were writing that surf stuff. That's always kind of come out. You know what, uh, surf songs for me are surf kind of Western sounding songs, like Quentin Tarantino sounding stuff. What that is for me is when I get really stuck on writing lyrics and I start to get I, like mentally upset by it. Where I'm sure you've reached this point when you're writing where you get so frustrated that you're like, fuck this, I just want to give up. Hmm. So what I do is I put that aside and then I just write something instrumental because then I don't have to even think about lyrics. Right. And it kind of it kind of it kind of gets me out of that funk, I guess. I um I have an exercise that I used to do a lot that got me out of that where <clears throat> I just I'll write anything. I'll, it, it can be ridiculous, yeah. but I get it on the page. Yeah. Like it could be something that doesn't make any sense just to get through those roadblocks. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's easy to do, but like if you do, I, I used to get up and just do that. Even if I wasn't inspired or if I was like grumpy or nothing was coming or I didn't feel like it was like getting at what I felt or, yeah. or if it was even deep, if it was like embarrassing kind of. And I just was like, fuck that. I don't even care. And just get, just get it out. Just write something insane. Yeah. And I, I'm lucky that I have the Lunar Satan project to be like, it, some of those Lunar Satan songs, the challenge is like, make it more insane. You know, a disappear, yeah. a pyramid on fire in the desert that's disappearing. How much more insane can it be? And the answer is none. None more insane. The deal with writing songs for other people is I rarely am sitting in my room by myself writing a song for somebody else. Yeah. When I write songs for other people, I'm usually in a co-write with that artist. I love writing with artists because... If it's just me and you, and me and you want to write a song for Julian Baker, for example, not that she takes outside rights, right? But we have to just basically wonder if she'll like it. Yeah. When you're writing with Julian Baker in the room, everything that makes it to the next level, you is basically signed off on by the artist. They like it, right? In, so in real time, every okay, let's do verse two in real time. I'm not writing a verse two. I hope she likes so that she puts on an album. So that's why I love writing with artists, especially artists who know who they are and know what they want. Now, I yeah. write with artists sometimes that are like, I don't know. I'm like, what do you want to say? What do you want it to be? I don't know. That's frustrating to me sometimes because I can't really help you decide who you are. Yeah. And you don't, you don't want them to be phony and stuff. And, and, and yeah. you make up something that isn't them at all. I tell the people that I write with, because my angle is really more of a writer producer and I help, I make the track while we write. Yeah. And I can bring heat lyrically, but I, I like for them to do the lyrics because that's who, an artist is going to be most connected with the lyric. Yeah, for sure. So I love writing with artists who know who the hell they are. I write with this country girl. She's a friend of mine named Jada Dreyer and she just knows who she is, man. So there's just not a lot of like, what do you want to be? What should we say? I, I, I will write about like demons in space. Okay. <laughs> I need to know what you want to say. You don't want to write. I want to write about demons in space with, <laughs> with chaps on. 
And honestly, man, I love writing about demons in space. I wrote a, you just played the drums on that song, Oblivion, which isn't even a, a Lunar Satan song. It's just a black metal song about like dead astronauts in space and the fucking under the march of t- death and time. <laughs> Who knows? It's just fun. But um, so I don't write a lot of shit that I'm like, oh no, I have to give this to an artist. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then the stuff that I write for me, I just sit down and who knows what it's going to be. Like one day it might be a stoner rock thing. The other day, the Lord of the Vampires song that I sent you, the new Lunar Satan material. Yeah. I was just in the shower and I knew I had to write a song that day and I heard the kick pattern in my head that that 16th note on the hat. Yeah. I just heard that. So I came down to my little drum machine and I just programmed that loop. Yeah. And then that song fell out and I did as I was writing it, I was like, oh, this is a Lunar Satan song for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. So it just presents itself for me. That was a tangent city on that. But I love talking about it, though. And I would be curious, and one day when we land the Golden Goose interview with one Mr. Headset, I would be curious at how he does this, too. Yeah, th- I mean, that that would be something I would love to talk to James Hethel about. You know, because, of course, if you had the opportunity, that you know, there, there's a, a very general questions you would love to ask him, but, like, the, true the, color. So, the, the true color the songwriting portion you know of his life is what i'm really most curious about I think. me too me too it'd be awesome and and you know we know a lot about it i mean in terms of they've kind of led us into that world a lot especially with the last album of how they pieced riffs and stuff right. and Lars is a big part of that but i mean like when he sits down to write the lyric the melody yeah and obviously a lot of the songs from load and reload were fully formed mm-hmm. you know mom has said for example totally <laughs> lars wasn't helping him arrange that yeah exactly um all right cool is that it for the emails it was kind of a longer email corner it was a longer email corner but listen we love those emails we love that you write in it sparked a lot of great conversation and uh you know sometimes it goes a little long and we're appreciative of uh that fun conversation and listen again to preface a point from earlier have fun always and that's a way to do it i just had a great time talking about uh the BlizzCon thing all the way to songwriting. So, Well, cool. Well, let's get out of the email corner, take a quick break, let everyone hear about how they can support us on Patreon so that they can uh, become more enlightened spiritual beings like you That's and I. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and then we're going to deep dive into uh, an invisible kid trapped under ice. Let's do it. Hey everyone, this is Ethan and Clint. We're here to tell you about supporting the show via Patreon. That's right. Every week, Ethan and I work hard to bring you the best Metallica content possible. If you think the show has value, consider supporting us on a financial level at Patreon. For $5 a month, or the price of two cups of coffee, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast continues to grow in quality and content. But that's not all. In addition to being able to help sleep at night for supporting your favorite podcast, we've also come up with incentives to say thank you that are exclusively available to patrons. For example, for a pledge of $5 or more, you immediately get free downloads of every cover our world black and ep ticket giveaways for shows like snm2 and slain castle box sets rare vinyl metallica memorabilia like snm2 guitar picks email priority meaning we'll read your email first on the show the chance to ask guests like hailstorm jay weinberg of slipknot and metallica row crew your very own questions and the opportunity to come on the show as a guest for our metal tales bonus episodes in which you can tell us all about any Metallica show you've been to in the past. All this and more for becoming a patron and supporting Metal Up Your Podcast. We couldn't do this show without you, and to everyone on the ride with us, we sincerely thank you. Peace. Adios. (laughs) 
here we go. Trapped Under Ice. Now, Ride the Lightning is my favorite album by Metallica, but I yes. must admit, this is probably my least listened to song from that album. I even like Escape right. more. So it's really fun to think about these songs that I wouldn't ordinarily jam in my car. Like right, today, I yeah. listened to Trapped Under Ice like 13 times, and I had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, yeah, same here, man. I, I was learning a lot of these uh, riffs from the song this morning, which I'd, I've never learned in my life because... You know, a lot of times those deep, deep cut songs, unless they really, really resonate with you, you don't ignore them, but I'm not sitting down learning every single Metallica riff to ever exist. But I had never learned some of these ones before, and it was a blast learning them this morning. Dude, I have never played Draft Under Ice until today. Right. And, and like, like a lot of things in life, if you're a musician out there, learning these songs endears you to them because you get it under your fingers and you're like, oh, this is super fun. So you have your guitar, so we're going to be getting into, we're going to be break down, breaking down some of the riffs. And... uh I won't be playing today. I know many of you out there are more in a state of mourning now, which I understand. But don't worry, I can, I can bring you back to life. Yeah, you're in good you're in good hands with old Mister Luck over here. So let's talk about some uh, some of the facts here. I wish we had a a little track by track type jingle for you to say for the facts. Fact by facts. Fact by facts. Facts by facts. <laughs> So this one is written by Hetfield, Ulrich, and Kirk Hammett. And I guess this is one of the songs, much like Creeping Death, that Kirk kind of had already introduced a little bit into the Exodus camp. And he kind of took them with him when he went bye-bye. Right, yeah. And he was quoted as saying that he had a lot of guilt about that, uh, about kind of snaking some of his... They're his riffs, but he'd sort of already... Yeah. He sort of already you know, used them in some Exodus shit. And then he brought them into Metallica, the most famous one being the die section of Creed. Sure, sure. Um, but I think that's fair game. I mean, what do you think about that? What if you had a riff? And this is before Exodus. Exodus didn't make their first album until Kirk had already split. Right, exactly. So what if you were in Demon Hunter, and but Demon Hunter hadn't put an album out yet, and then like Mastodon calls you, I think if take uh, one of your riffs over to Mastodon. Yeah, I think I mean, if I had some really cool riffs and I was playing in a metal band and we hadn't actually finished those songs or even recorded that record yet, and then I got a better offer and I went and go play with somebody else, I mean, I think I would sit down. I would at the very least sit down with the dudes in that band and be like, "Hey, look, these five riffs or whatever. Like, I'm so proud of them. I love you guys, but I'm taking them with me." So you would have you would have talked about it. You would have like brought it up. I would have brought it up at least. Now at the end of the day, I still probably would have taken them, even if they're like, "Well, but th those are kind of our songs now." It's like, yeah, I know, but I wrote that, and this is a better opportunity, and I'm going to take them with me. So write something similar, or do what Dave Mustaine did and just write a faster version of it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Dave Mustaine did that. He took his songies with him. He took the mechanics with him. Yeah. And he took, uh, you know, uh, what Hangar 18 is the Cthulhu riff. Is that what I'm led? To? I think so. Is that what I'm told? Is that what I've been told? I mean, Hang Right Teen is. That was really smooth, by the way. But um, No, that's literally the that, same thing. And then Hang Right Teen is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's Hang Right Teen. And then, and then Cthulhu does the. It's the same exact positioning on both. Yeah. Well. Yeah, you can take them with you when you go. I mean, kind of echoing a little bit of that songwriting question from the email corner. Um, on the album, Vampire are two songs that were born out of co-writes. Yeah. And the co-writes were just with two dudes that were just fun. They weren't really for anything. Right. And I and I liked those songs so much, I took them with me. Yeah. I remember telling the guy that I wrote Dandelion with, I was like, 
I was right. I'll make this really quick. I was writing with this guy. He's a producer in town and he would hire, not hire me. He would co-write with me and just have me write choruses for him. Yeah. So he was like, don't even bring a guitar. He already had the track. So I would just write lyrics and melodies for choruses and we'd get a chorus. He was like, boom, next song. And I'd be like, but wait, I like that song. Let's finish it. And he was always like, no, we're not. I don't need you for that. I need you for the choruses. So one of those songs was Dandelion. And I was like, hey, let's finish the song. I really like it. And he was like, no, next chorus. And I was like, well, I'm taking that one with me. And yeah. that's what that song became. And so I think it's fair game if you wrote it, especially if they hadn't made an album yet. Absolutely. Yeah. It'd be one thing if like Exodus, you know, let's say Kirk Hammett joined Metallica after Exodus's first record. And and, and there were pieces of like the Trap Under Ice. Riff. Yeah. And that was in there and the songs were done and out on record. That would be a little weird, I think, at that point for Kirk Hammett to be like, I'm going to take that riff back. It's like, well, dude, it's already out in the world. Like, you know what I mean? You can't re- recall a riff after it's been released. I will say, if I if I had like unlimited time with Kirk and James in an interview capacity, I would want to go through each song and break down whose riffs are whose. Yeah, for sure. Because I'm curious, you know, I'm sure some metal police out there are like, oh, clearly the uh, bridge rib is Kirk. Uh, you'll notice that uh, he does the same Phrygian Lydian scale here. Uh, hi, um, Cliff Bernstein, uh, Ethan and Clint here. We'd love to have James and Kirk on. Uh, okay, cool. Great, guys. Uh, what do you guys want to talk about on the show? We want to go through every Metallica song and just know whose riff is whose. That's it. I do. I, I honestly, in some of my favorite interview books, like I'm thinking mainly about a couple of the Beatles books I've read. I do want to do the thing where with James, where I just say the song name and get his like two sentences. And I want to go through the whole loads and realize like that. Like, yeah. All right, James, two by four. And I'm just curious what his like, uh, cool song. I don't remember anything about it. Okay. House of Jack. Bell. Uh, gray Poupon and bread. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, getting back to some of the stats here, stats by stats and facts by facts. The song's only been performed 21 times. Now, uh, on first glance, that's an okay statistic, right? Oh, it's 21 times. But the way this plays out is is interesting to me. So check this out. First performed on November 17th, 1984 in Pope Ringe, Belgium. The band Tank opened. Uh, interesting things about this show is they opened the whole set with Fire with Fire, which is pretty cool. cool. The second encore was Jump in the Fire Motor Breath. So this makes sense, right? This is post puppets. They're in Europe or post uh, lightning. Sorry, so yeah. lightning's already come out. They're in Europe. Yeah, you're going to play Trapped Under Ice, even though it's a deep cut. They didn't have that many songs. No, no. I mean, at this point, they're. I mean, may- maybe they had started writing some riffs for puppets. Maybe, but I doubt they're playing anything live yet. No, no. I mean, at this point, they're looking at like they're looking at what twenty songs. Well, I think eighteen, like of their originals, and then of course they had a slew of covers yeah. they could do. Um, so check this out. So they play that on the seventeenth of November. They play it again the next night in Paris as encore number three, and then they don't play it again until 2000. That's insane. That's that's so long. They they play it two times in a row, and that's it. They debut it, they play it the next night, and then they don't play it for 16 years. 16 years. years. Uh, You know, guys, that was fun, but I think uh, this one needs to go in the old vault for 16 years. 16 years. Okay. So... Then it's not like they rediscovered it and they were like, shit, why haven't we been playing this? After they played it, uh, they played it on January 5th, 2000 in Chicago. Then they didn't play it for four more years until August 24th in Peoria, Illinois, also uh, real close to Chicago. Yeah. So four years apart, kind of the same market. The opening act was Godsmack. It was the show where it was the debut of some kind of monster. And they played Trapped Under Ice as part of the second encore. Crazy. And I was I was thinking about like, 
you know, a second encore is pretty nuts. Like the crowd just is demanding more material. Yeah. So I was looking it up and I was like, man, maybe they just like decide to play it as a treat. And then I looked up the set list and there's a picture on Metallica.com of the actual set list from that gig. And it's on the set list. So I, I don't know if they got like a special request from someone that was at someone who lives in Illinois. Right. Who comes to all their gigs. Maybe the guy, the the CEO of Dream Tech or whatever the fuck. (laughs) Always requests it or something because doesn't that make sense as, as a guy who's been in bands? You're playing this super rare song every time you play a certain market years apart. Yeah. Why would they do that? I have no idea, but... Um, and that's all speculation. Maybe but. it was coincidence and they just happened to... Someone in the camp just said, suggested it and they were like, huh, you know, eyebrow goes up. Maybe we should play that one again. So then after 2004, they didn't play it for another five years. Uh, they played it on March 30th, 2009 in the Netherlands. Openers were Machine Head and The Sword. Again, it was an encore. They played the song 13 times in 2009, and they played it three times in 2010. And then it was last played on June 23rd in Atlantic City, New Jersey for the Orion Festival. And uh, we have a live clip of them playing it that we're going to put in right here so you can kind of hear some modern sauce. This show was super special because this was when they played Ride the Lightning front to back. Yeah. Or back to front, actually. And it's the debut and only time they've ever played Escape. Yeah, I remember this. I remember that when they played Escape, James was like real hesitant. He's like, all right. He's like, well, he actually says, now we're going to play the song that we never wanted. You know, he goes, the song that we never wanted to play live is now on the set list. Yeah. So crazy. And it's like, man, the song's not that bad. It's a cool, it's a cool song. Um, so that last time they played it on June 23rd, 2012, that was only the seventh time they've played it in the U.S. And That's that so crazy. marks all 21 times they've played it. Yeah. So what's inter- interesting to me about this song is that, you, so you take a 16-year break from playing it. And of course, they haven't played it a, a ton in total. But then in 2009, you decide to play it 13 times in one year. I know. I know. I, That's so I'm weird. trying to understand the flow chart of that, like... Being being a musician and being privy to how set lists are put together all the time, and then when I was Rodney's band leader, I made the set list. Yeah, you think James lost a bet? You're taking. An, I I don't know. I, that's a. I mean, that's um, a tenable reason. Yeah, like maybe maybe Lars really loves it and had fought for it for years, and then maybe he lost. James lost a bet, or maybe maybe they traded. Maybe there's some song James loves that's hard for Lars to play, and right. They, James is like, I'll, if you if we play this, we can play Trapped Under Ice. Yeah, or maybe just for a little season there, he was like, the song is cool. Because here's the thing: when you have a new album out, number one, you need, especially when you're a young band. So it's your second album. Your first album had what ten songs. Your second album has eight songs. Yeah, and then you've got some covers. They debut it, and then they played it one time. Then it goes bye bye. Yeah. So you don't usually axe a song that's new that you're excited about that quick. No, you don't. So I'm wondering if they really picked up on those first few nights. Like it's just not working. I tried to find a live version of those '84 performances yeah. in Europe. I couldn't find them. Like maybe it's really hard to sing and play. Maybe so, but I mean, I can't. I mean, I can't imagine him, you know, playing stuff like Disposable Heroes or Battery and singing. 
I mean, it's like, I mean, if I may turn on my axe for a second. Yeah, let's get into the let's get into the riffs a little bit. So, so Hetfield's singing over this. Not that crazy for Hetfield. It's not that crazy. He he's kind of like a genius at that, right? He's he's definitely got more complex stuff in the catalog where he's singing and playing and the melody it's it's syncopated well with Mm -hmm. the rhythm of that chuggy guy totally um you know i think one thing we overlook when we talk about this issue also too is the really simple reasoning that they may just not like it well uh you could probably uh correct me if i'm wrong here but was it mick wall's book where he talked about this was the song on lightning that they all thought was too poppy well, this or is, is there kind a debate of a, because it might be escape. This is a metal police issue where it does say that in Mick's book, but I think Mick was incorrect. Sorry, Mick. Uh, the song Escape is the one that they, it's the only song James said it's the first time they ever wrote a song in the studio. Right. Because Lars came to James at the end of the recording and said, hey, the label wants another song. The the lore is that the label was asking for a, a hit song, like or a radio song. Yeah. And actually, this is going to tie into the lyric because some people have speculated that actually what Trapped Under Ice is about is about them being sort of frozen out of radio play yeah, in the okay. 80s. Um, so I think Mick, I think the song that they wrote to be poppy was Escape. Although Trapped Under Ice is pretty poppy. It's fast and thrashy, but that chorus is pretty hooky. And then the bridge is very, very hooky. That scream from my soul. But that part to me is, is, is after, especially after playing it a bunch this morning, that part to me is, is getting up there with like the bridge of creep. Like it's just, it's so simple. It's the, we'll play the bridge thing. Like that's just, that to me, that's like classic old school Metallica melodic bridge and then the gang vocals and stuff. Yeah, but the melody of the I'm not going to try to sing it and embarrass myself, but the the melody is very hooky. Yeah. It is Screaming for sure. From my soul. And then with those big gang vocals, yeah. it's definitely not like, I don't know. But but the but yeah, the, the one in contention is is Escape, which will be featured on a deep cut dives for sure. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um let's talk about Let's talk about the arrangement while you have your guitar. One of the things that I think is so cool, especially as a guy who writes metal songs, is they that the way the song starts, right? That dun, 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 dun. yeah. Can you play that? Yeah, the yeah. And then it goes to the F. Well, it goes to the A, but then when the riff starts, oh yeah, the yeah, exactly. Now, what's so cool is. They don't really ever do that again until the outro. Yeah. I don't even think they do it in the outro, do they? Uh, no. So that's really just a cool little piece of music they have for the intro. And it, like when I think of Trapped Under Ice, the first thing I think is... Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. It's so cool that they put that at the top and then they never really do it again. Once it gets going, it gets going. It totally does, yeah. And, and really for, you know, for uh, you know, the trues in the world, I mean, I'm sure this is a favorite of theirs, even though it's a deep cut. Because it is thrashy. I mean, the, the chorus gets a little poppy with the whole. Uh, uh, I mean, that's a, that's a if for you guitar players out there, that's a half step jump. So that's not necessarily like the darkest sounding of of parts, you know. And, and it's the same thing on the second half. Right, and it, and the 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 sort of harmonic 
um, connotation is major. Yeah, very much so. It, it, it feels like majory, which kind of lends to its pop sensibilities. But but I do think it has real thrash cred because of play that verse hook that super fast da 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 F sharp. I mean that's just quintessential thrash. Oh and, yeah, and I love I love that the song after that kind of cool bump da da when it just launches into that and it's just before a single lyric is sung it's just kirk shredding i know that that's one thing they did a lot in the early years too that which i really love was just a bitch and intro and then the main riff comes in and just when you think like hetfield's gonna start singing it's like oh no no kirk takes a solo first and this is a unique one in two and that it's it starts in e but it once it gets going it's really sort of framed around an f sharp chord yeah it is and then you know of course theoretically speaking the f sharp is the relative minor of the a and that, of a, and that chorus yeah. goes to a so yeah yeah and, and, and they're good at that and they, they have been a ton and still are of jumping around keys with not it's not ever really a crazy abrupt key change like a lot of bands will do i think that also might be the product of them just mashing riffs together you know yeah. like of course, Ulrich is always, except for Motor Breath, Ulrich is always considered a writer. I don't think he's sitting down with a fucking guitar. I think he helps them piece it together. Yeah. So what you got here is you got Kirk Hammett and James Hetfield who have different riffs. Like I guarantee you, the dun da 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 was one of their ideas, and the da 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 the F sharp part was another one of their ideas. Right. Yeah. Probably. So you put those together, and it it almost doesn't make sense to change keys from the intro to the verse. Yeah. But the but the verse and the chorus feel like they're a part. They're like a cohesive body. You're right. The F sharp to A. Mm-hmm. What about getting into this bridge? The bridge the bridge thing is a trip to me because coming out of the I mean, let me see if I, if I can play this right because there's there's like this t- quick little measure that happens. So so you got the you have the uh, the chorus. Uh, so I'll play through that. So that yeah, to that's me, the part I'm talking about. All that stuff is a trip to me. Coming out of the chorus into that bridge part, just doing that um, uh, under the trapped under ice, and then it does a quick little again, and then yeah. you do, then you get into the lead into the yeah. There, it does this cool like descending thing, and it goes to that F where it starts to sort of introduce the gallop. Yeah, because because the whole bridge thing is it's sort of anchored by these gallopy things. Right, exactly, and and and, and it kind of it goes back to another key change because the bridge is kind of an E with with the yeah. whole. Um, yep, it's it's a it's it's a trip the way they do it because it it seems so seamless. It doesn't seem as abrupt as if you're. Uh, a song, or sorry, a band playing your your hit song, and the chorus is very catchy, and all of a sudden you repeat the chorus and just raise it up a key, where it kind of comes out of nowhere. Like to the, to me, Metallica the way they do it is very smooth, and and they'll use those weird, you know, those kind of notes in there to, that are very metal sounding or whatever, and that to me is kind of what separates it. It kind of throws you off a little bit. Then they can you know sneak into the next key change. Well, yeah, and what I like about before they go into the uh, that that gallopy thing, like you were just saying, is they do that kind of descending chordal thing. Yeah, it's it, there's a little thing they do, and I'm going to call it going the extra mile, and that's going to be a theme as we dissect these Metallica songs. They always go the extra mile because what they really could have easily done 
is gone from trapped under ice. Dun, 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 dun. They could have gone right into that gallopy guy without those weird that weird little transition. Yeah, totally. That they never and, and, repeat. And that's the yeah. Again, it's another thing they don't repeat. It's 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 such a weird thing. Just going. It's just like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, well, like they could they could have not had that. They could have gone. Uh, Right. You know, they could have gone right into that. I find that so inspiring as I'm writing for Lunar State in volume two, because it's like, I just think more simply and which makes sense because I'm not, in, I'm not Metallica. I'm just a guy, but it makes me want to push harder and go the extra mile to, to put transitions in there that may not repeat. It feels as a writer, like, oh, I'm going to go through all this effort to come up with a transition that I don't even get to do again. <laughs> I know, right? But the, it adds up into this really cool experience. It really know? does. Yeah. So then he launches back into the F sharp for the solo. I mean, we get kind of three solos in the song anyway. Yeah. Should, should I go ahead and play all three of them real quick? Because <laughs> my hands can definitely move that fast. But those solos aren't even the kind of solos you learn note for note. Like, I doubt Kirk ever played them the same. They're, they're just these fast breakout, pentatonic. I mean, there's not much to them outside of the speed. Yeah. But I mean, I think a song like this—I mean, that that has a, a, a good sense of chaos to me. These, oh yeah, these solos are very fitting for this. Well, song. where they're coming from with the, the new wave of British heavy metal, combining with this punk energy, they're in a club with all these kid metalheads yelling "Kill the posers," and the, you know, Carrie King's over there with a the seventeen thousand pound <laughs> porcupine wrist cuff. Yeah, dude, they're they're just playing music to just bang your head to, you know. Oh yeah, they're not they're not playing a fucking Steve Vai solo from you know Passion Warfare. Right, right. They would go on to do that, you know, but this is only their second album, and in fact, they did do it on their second album because you got Fade to Black, you got Creeping Death, mm-hmm. you got Call of Cthulhu, but it really fits for the song. And then I had a note of like, it's cool that they they do their kind of classic like third verse after all that. I know, I love it. It's not as long as Puppets or something. I mean, Puppets is one of their longest songs, but it's like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, crazy breakdown. Bri- oh, let's talk about the bridge. Yeah. Which we have done. So you already played it a little bit, but it's a cool little break in between like that badass bridge riff that you've been playing, the gallopy guy. It's cool that they do that a couple times. Then they do a really accessible bridge. Then they do that badass thing again before the Right. Song. Yeah. It kind of set, sets up going back into the solo and then third verse. Right. But it's nice to have that, that, that super melodic part to me in, in, in as that beautiful nugget in the middle of a, a otherwise thrashy song, you know, um, something that almost is, is a little bit, uh, similar to the bridge of four horsemen in a way, you know, kind yeah. of still, I mean, that's the, You know, they're, they're, it's, they're very, very much the same uh, root notes, but I just love it so much. It kind of, it feels like it comes out of nowhere just because the rest of the song is kind of such chaos. But um, yeah, I mean, all this talk of Trapped Under Ice, I just wish they would play it live more, man. Yeah, it'd be cool to see them do it live more. But again, they've got so many great songs. What are they going to do? They're, they're not going to play, you know, Master Puppet so they can play this. Uh, in, instead of instead of Inner Sandman, could you play Escape and Trapped Under Ice, please? I think uh, production wise too, it's it's a great sounding. Uh, Lightning is interesting because it's the maturity of the songwriting is happening, and the production did get better. You know, you're going from Paul Curcio in New York, some dude that I don't even know what he did after that. You know, they probably recorded it in some tiny little shed, 
to they're at Sweet Silence in Denmark with Fleming, yeah. right? Like they've really upgraded in terms of like getting real engineers. Yeah. But it still has that raw power. That's what's so interesting about lightning. Yeah, man. By the by the time they get to just to puppets, they're just they've learned so much. And you can hear it in the sort of precision of that album. Yeah, for sure. And then also too, um uh Let's not forget, you know, going into lightning, Kirk was taking guitar lessons, Lars was taking drum lessons. Like, yeah, we've talked about this on the lightning episode for sure. But, um, and man, I feel like your love of lightning has become a bit infectious because I've been listening to that way more than puppets lately, especially recently. Michael Grovesner just, uh, I, I bought it off of him, but he had three copies of all the Walmart exclusive oh, releases. Yeah, yeah. How does that, how does that blue press look? It does looks it look awesome. Good? The only thing that's weird is, uh, the, the, so the actual record label, the Metallica looks cool. It's like a blue on, and then the, the font is like a darker blue, but you can't read the track listing. It, I had it in the light and it's, it, I feel like it was a bit of a, an error on someone's part to choose that, those two, uh, tones of blue. But the record sounds great. The, the blue variant looks. Who chose these two? Uh, excuse me. Who chose these two tones of blue? Uh, the hues are not matching well. I've put on my bivocals, I've put on my monocle, I've uh, lit my gas light, and uh, uh, the two blues, uh, they clash. I find it hard to read the track listing of the two blues. It, it, it really is kind of, I mean, if you're like a nerd where you're like uh, looking at those kind of details, which I looked at it, but it doesn't bother me that much. I know what songs are on the record. I don't have to be reminded. Like, uh, what? What is the, the, the one that starts slow and gets fast at the end? Um, but man, it looks great. And so all that to say, your love of, of lightning has really gotten in, in it's a, it's a virus that has infected me. I'm glad to hear it. Ooh, virus. Look, look out for that virus talk, buddy. Oops. Look out. Um, let's talk about subject matter real quick. Let's talk about the lyric. Now, good God, I, I wouldn't want anyone scrutinizing my lyrics from when I was in my early twenties, but <laughs> then again, I'm not James Heffern, I'm not Metallica. Right. I think as a premise, it's super metal. So, so the premise of the song is that a dude is in a cryogenic state, right? He's been cryogenically frozen, mm -hmm. and whoopsie, he wakes up. Oopsie-daisy. So he's just, you know, sentient and aware and can't move, and who knows how long he'll be there. So here's my, my little summary I wrote is, uh, where did I write that? Well, be, okay. Someone is awakened while in a cryogenic chamber. They can't move and are forced to endure perpetual torture, frozen, until they finally die. Oh, die. It's pretty metal. And it made me think of a lot of things. It made me think of like, well, it's a precursor to the song One in a way. Yeah, it really is, yeah. You got a guy who's, you know, had his arms and and legs and everything else blown off. And all he can do is sit there and think. Yeah. Pretty, pretty scary. Absolutely. I, I wrote musically and lyrically, it's more of its time. Like... I said this could have been on any thrash album in the mid '80s, and it's perhaps forgotten because it doesn't seem it doesn't seem to suggest the greatness that Metallica would become in a way that like Bells does, right, right, yeah. in a way that Fade to Black does, in a way that Creep does. Mm -hmm. Like Fight Fire is great and kind of of its time. Yeah, um, Ride the Lightning, a little above that. A little, a little more like, ooh, what's this is different and cool. Yeah, but like, but fight fire, trapped, um, and escape are kind of just of their time a little bit. Whereas fade to black is out of time. 
feel like Trapped Under Ice might have had a little more impact like A Creeping Death or Like a Bells if maybe the chorus wasn't in A major. Maybe. I mean, I like that, and maybe it's just because I've heard it for so many years, but I feel like if if it if it stuck to you know if it went if it went from the or, or something like that and stayed in that F minor position, but James changed the melody, maybe it would have a bit of a different of an impact. I don't know. Yeah, maybe because it, it. I mean, if you're if you're an old school thrash fan, I mean that that does kind of come out of left field a little bit. Yeah, but I feel like a lot of trues really like this song. But you know how people are. People. People like the song that doesn't get a lot of love because then they get to feel like they're in a in a club. You yeah, know? maybe like, so. Yeah, I, I I understand trapped under ice. All you out there love fade to black, uh, but uh, trapped under ice. Yeah, especially because I was once cryogenically frozen in time. <laughs> I'm like the, much like the demolition man, unfrozen to take on Wesley Snipes, the supervillain from the past. Yes, I actually had myself cryogenically frozen. Yes. Uh, as soon as they last played this song in 1984, and then I was unfrozen in the year 2000. So allegedly, James said in an interview from the 90s, which I could not find today, okay, that the song is about not getting any radio play, and that it was like being trapped under ice. Another, uh, another internet person suggested that it was about sleep paralysis, which made me think of uh, your song Shadows that I wrote a verse for. Yeah, When you sent me that song and I listened to it, I first thought about sleep paralysis. And so my whole verse is about that. It is, yeah. Remember, I, t- I told you, I was like texting yep. you about that. Yeah. So yep. I thought that was pretty interesting. Like someone, well, like let's let's read through the lyric. I don't know how to live through this hell. Woken up, I'm still locked in the shell. Frozen soul, frozen down to the core. Break the ice, can't take anymore. Freezing, can't move at all. Screaming, can't hear my call. I'm dying to live. That's clever. Cry out, I'm trapped under ice. Yeah. Crystallize as I lay here in rest, eyes of glass stare directly at death. From deep sleep, I have broken away. No one knows, no one hears what I say. Chorus again. Then we get the scream from my soul, fate mystified, hell forevermore. Last uh, verse, no release from my cryonic state. What is this? I've been stricken by fate. Wrapped up tight, cannot move, cannot break free. The hand of doom is a tight grip on me, which I love the reference to Sabbath, the hand of Mm -hmm. doom song on Paranoid. Right. I, I think all the like ideas about like, well, it's about sleep paralysis or no, no, no. It's about uh, how metal had no radio airplay in the early 80s. Or someone said, oh, it's about a heroin addiction. We all trapped and you you stare death in the face. <laughs> I think also knowing being a songwriter and having once been 23 years old, I think the song might just actually be about a guy cryogenically frozen and he wakes up. It's yeah. just a kind of a bitchin' metal premise that I don't think requires any deep analysis. I mean, they were still wearing leather and they were still exactly. living that no left hill leather, you know, they were, they still had that code. <laughs> the code. They did the leather code, man. <laughs> they had the leather code. And dude. so like, that's the thing. Like, yeah, like you could, you could overanalyze all this, all these lyrics, but it's like, maybe it just is about a dude chronically frozen that woke up and can't move. <laughs> I know that for me as a songwriter, that would have been plenty for me. Like, right. oh, it's just a cool idea, and I nailed it. Because he, I, I do think, I do think, if you just take it on face value, the lyrics good. Like, it's yeah, it's actually a really scary idea to think about waking up in that state and being unable to change it, and no one can hear you because no one knows you're awake. It's yeah. like the guy in the one video. No one knows that he's under there going, yeah. "Hey guys, uh, 
someone help me and set me free and this is i'm trapped in hell yeah exactly i'm imprisoned by this darkness you know and it seems by by like the bridge lyrics um maybe this character has kind of accepted the fact that he, he's he's just gonna die and not and and not move on with his life because it's you know scream for my soul fate mystified hell forevermore no oh, yeah no release from my, from my uh, cryonic state you know it uh yeah it's 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 a it's a short timeline here, but uh, I, I do like where it kind of ends up lyrically right there. But it reminds me of like a Tales from the Crypt episode of like, they're like, you know, wheeling the frozen guy into the closet forever, you know? Yeah, yeah. But he's awake. Yeah. And then they the last scene is they just shut off the light. Like, it's got a great sort of impending dread in it. Yes. And it's fucking fun, man. It's a great tune, dude. And And like you and I were texting before we recorded this episode, if you're a guitar player or a bass player or even a drummer out there, if there's a song that you're maybe, uh, you like, and it's a great song, but you've never learned the parts to it. I'm telling you, like Clint said, once you get that under your fingers or under the sticks, it just kind of starts to breathe a little new life, you know, into you and the song, you know, like I, like I said, I, I'd never learned those riffs before. And then when I, especially the bridge one, you know, with the gallop in it, I'm like, man, that is so fun to play. Why have I never learned that before? And I think that's that might be a key as we as we explore this series. I mean, that might be a key to help us understand their greatness because yeah. even the songs that just I mean, how is Trapped Under Ice ever going to compete with Creeping Death? I mean, you, it, Creeping Death is one of the greatest hard rock heavy metal songs ever. So exactly, it's almost not even fair. It's like it's like asking how My Friend of Misery can ever compete with Sabbath True. It's mm-hmm. just not even fair. Yeah. But I think what we're starting to see, what makes them great, is even these little invisible kids of songs are fucking cool man yeah dude they really are and i'm excited to put all these little lost gems in a playlist and just spend spend a lot more time with them mm-hmm. i know we got listeners out there that are like i've spent you know like this isn't a song that for some people that they've not checked out a lot of, of people course, yeah. love trapped under ice but for me it's 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 new it's like it's like t- tumbling or turning over like a new kind of little puzzle in my hand because mm-hmm. i've just never really gotten in there with it so it's like you know it's something that's always been there and you know if you're if your phone or whatever's on shuffle or maybe you're just listening to lightning front to back of course you're going to hear it of course you know the song of course you know the riffs in your head but this is a song that most of us have listened to as much as master of puppets or the unforgiven or whatever yeah so it, it is fun just to sit back and listen to just these deep cuts and it will be a, a good time to at a certain point when we get through a bunch of these episodes to make a playlist for everybody to check out in order of, I guess, episodes released. It's just a, a deep cuts playlist. Well, I had a lot of fun, dude. And Me too. I'm really looking forward to spending time with some of these songs that I want to get to know better. You know, I'm the, we've got a list of like maybe 60 songs, but for me personally, I'm thinking about Metal Militia. I'm thinking about Leopard Messiah. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about Don't Tread on Me. I'm thinking about, you know, Purify even. Yeah. I mean, I, even Orion. I would think Orion. I, th- I, I would consider it a deep cut. There are going to be tiers of levels where maybe they've only played Orion a couple of times, but Orion is Cliff's kind of last song and everyone knows it. So that's going to, I think it's still a deep cut, but it's going to fall into a different category than, you know, escape. Right. Yeah. If or suicide and redemption, you know that they've only played two times, right? It, but then you've got, but then where the wild things are is going to be different than even suicide and redemption. Yeah, I think if Trap Under Ice is is the deep end of the pool, and Enter Sandman is is the high dive, 
I th- I think Orion is like the shallow end of the pool, or maybe the yeah. or maybe the diving board. Yeah, but we'll spend time there too. I mean, I think Orion is probably the most. It'd be tied with Cthulhu out of all the instrumentals. Yeah, for sure. You know that that would probably go probably Cthulhu because Cthulhu was on both uh, S and M albums and won a Grammy. Yeah, for sure. So you got Cthulhu. Then I would I would argue Orion. Then to live is to die. Then suicide and redemption. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So anyway, all that's just going to be super fun and just fun excuses to talk about it. I'm really excited about um, us playing parts of it on our instruments and really getting inside what's cool and, and quirky and hooky about all the riffs. Right. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, just being able to devote a huge chunk of time into the songs themselves instead of like a record review where we can only spend a few minutes on each song. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, for sure. Love so it. what do we want to say? We, we need to, let's get out of here. Let's give everyone a break. Let's say goodbye. How do we do it? How do we do it? What do we need to remind them of? Uh, go to the Patreon. Go leave us a review on iTunes. Hit us up on the socials. Email us at metalpreepodcastshow.gmail.com. Um, and don't forget, and I'm excited about this, the Lunar Satan vinyl and cassette are coming soon. Yeah, that's that's happening. The uh, I meant to send them an email this week, but I got the notification that all the printed materials are at the presser, and that's all they were waiting for. Yes. So, um, I'm very stoked about that. Everyone kind of, if you, if you're on the Kickstarter, keep an eye over there because I send updates through Kickstarter. And then of course I'm, I'm updating on the Lunar Satan Instagram. I'm updating on the metal of your podcast discord. Go check out the discord. All you got to do is scroll down into the episode notes. You'll find it. Whatever way you can support the show is helpful. Sometimes for some people that's just listening every week. For some people that's sending an email, which we love hearing from all you people, even mm-hmm. you, Eloisa, even though it took some time to get back to you. Uh, for some people, it's being able to hop on the Patreon train. For some people, it's just telling a buddy. So yeah. figure out the way that you can get involved and help. And uh, in the meantime, take care of yourselves. Take care of your families. We'll see you on the flip-flop. Peace. Adios. <laughs>